Shut up and sit down. All right, it's that time again for another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Um, this one we tried to keep short, but it didn't happen. Um, kind of our thoughts on the ATA show. We talk about the bows, uh, a lot about the PSE, obviously, uh, with Dudley switching over to PSE. And uh, John's pretty excited for uh, some of the things, and he kind of breaks down all of the uh, things with the bows and kind of where Dudley's going with it, um, as well as uh, we talk about the, the new Tethered Phantom, the offerings from Out on a Limb, as well as Lone Wolf Custom Gear. Um, and some of the other uh, maybe smaller, little-known products that we uh, encountered at the show that uh, that we thought were kind of neat and, and intriguing. But um, uh, a lot of bow talk on this one, as well as, um, like I say, the, our, our thoughts on the Phantom, as well as um, the, those, the new sticks and the, and the camera arm from uh, Out on a Limb and uh, kind of price points and, and, and that sort of stuff. But um, I just want to keep this kind of short. Um, you know, thanks everybody for you know all of our patreons for um, helping us you know get down to the the ATA show and uh, keep this thing rolling. Uh, if you don't know what Patreon is, you can check it out at um, patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Um, they're the ones who kind of drive this uh, bus. You know, they they were telling us things to check out at the show and. Um, other things and they support us uh, it's just kind of like a basically uh, a five dollar raffle ticket uh, every month for or yeah every month for our quarterly giveaways and uh, this month we're going to be giving away or this quarter rather we're going to be giving away one of the bow hunting courses offered by jason sam koviak um, as well as we've got some other stuff in store i keep saying i can't tell you what it is yet but i just want to make sure that uh, we're going to be able to deliver on it uh, but it's going to be pretty cool so um you know thanks everybody thanks to our patrons you know we really appreciate you guys um we're going to be headed over to dan infold scouting seminar coming up this uh weekend um so we'll have some more information uh on that kind of our thoughts probably on the next podcast um there's still slots available if anybody's headed over there we'd love to to meet up with you we were probably uh riding over there with some guys we've met up with uh from michigan here so always cool to meet new people and kind of do some networking so if anybody's uh heading over there give us a give us a shout uh, on social media and uh, we'll meet up with you and um you know say hey but um that that's going to be fun so definitely uh, if you're interested in doing that i'm sure it's going to be some great information and um just just a good time to you know danza of <laughs> very intimidating guy like when you listen to him talk and you see his videos he seems kind of gruff but he's a really super nice guy when you talk to him in person so um really looking forward to getting over there and and and, and talking with him and um you know if you're following along with us and you like what we're doing give us a review you know hit that five star hit the one star or whatever but let us know how we're doing and and give us some feedback on what we can do better and and, and what we are doing well please just tell a friend, you know, tell somebody else uh, about the podcast and maybe an episode that you liked, uh, didn't like, or, or anything like that. But that, that helps us to reach more people. And, and ultimately that's what we're trying to do is just, uh, reach as many people as we possibly can. We really appreciate every one of you listeners and, uh, enjoy our ramblings on the 2020 show. Thanks. <laughs>
Hey everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. We um, we actually just got done recording an episode for the Chasing Tales podcast, so you guys can check that out. Uh, that's going to be out before this one, I think. I think that one's going to have dropped on Monday. So if you're not following along with Walt and Chase, um, you know, a couple of really good guys, and uh, they take my shit and just let it roll off their back. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's always a fun conversation. We, uh, that was a fun podcast when you say, yeah, it was good. I mean, podcast for me, it was good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, so it was a great podcast for John cause he, he did carried the first half of the podcast. He was talking and yeah. keeping up. Forgive but... me for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's going to be talking on this one too. Cause we're just going to kind of go back through our, our experience at ATA and just kind of hit some of the high points. Um, I don't know, like every time we, you know, this is our third year going to the show. And I think the first year we were like really wide eyed and um, I don't know, maybe that first show was like pretty good. Cause like Dudley wasn't at the second one. He wasn't there last year. And then this year we just missed him. Um, he was there for the announcement, the PSE announcement right in the morning. He, well, was, he was there, there that day. He was but, there all day. Just we didn't. But but he was he was like being mobbed and all yeah. that stuff. We didn't. well, I I was gonna go up and talk to him, and I, there was a couple other you know guys that were like sitting there waiting to like get his autograph or whatever. And it was like, you know, I just want I wanted to talk to him about the bow. Mm-hmm. But and then <clears throat> he was there for Thursday morning or Friday morning, and we got shit faced Thursday night thanks to. The urban bowman and uh, Billy and Billy, so we had a late start on Friday. Um, but I don't know. What do you think going to these shows, like the ATA show, and even like last year when we went to the 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 Hunt and Time Expo? Um, like, how do you view the shows? Like when you're going to them nowadays? I mean, what is it that you're particularly looking for and we we try to hit some of the things that our patrons wanted us to to look at but um well i mean this year obviously the big draw for me was or not the big draw but the dudley switching up and going to a pse which kind of had an idea that was either you know a lot of rumors were matthews or pse some people were thinking elite but after his podcast with pete shepley you know it was kind of an indicator that you know he had some i don't know maybe some incentive to go there because they, they're very like-minded when it comes to uh what their goal is to get people into archery and maintain it you know not just lose you know get them interested for a little bit and then they get frustrated after they get target panic and then quit so, with the equipment and coaching, and you know the proper coaching, but but yeah, so that was one of the things that I was looking forward to. I I wanted to you know get a chance to talk to him, but obviously that didn't work out. He ended up leaving uh, shortly after Friday morning. Yeah. Um, well, he wasn't even expected to be there in the first right. place. So they kind of whipped that whole thing together. If you listen to his his podcast about it i think yeah. he was actually supposed to be in mexico at the time something like that yeah when and when uh, so like i i referenced it on 
one of our earlier podcasts, but like the the podcast with uh, yeah, our podcast with, with uh, no, our podcast with uh, Ranch Ferry. Mm. Um, I said if you listen to the the podcast with uh, Aaron Snyder and and Dudley, but that podcast, I mean, he talks about like he literally flew on like a little tiny plane with like parts in his pocket to yeah. put the bows together, and then they had to like rush around and find some stainless yeah, steel bolts he, to put it together. He said to go to fast and all. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well then some of the bows, like the, I think the, when we were looking at the bows, they didn't even have the one sticker on the inside. Yeah. They didn't even have the one decal. I don't think. So before we get into the, the PSE bows, um, I want to talk about just a little bit about the, the bow culture, um, nowadays, because, the ATA show being not a consumer show and being a buyer show. So for an industry, you know, all the bow shops there, we were there with our local bow shop, Johnson's Great Outdoors, Mitch. I mean, Mitch really helped us out this year. And I mean, right. like we're going to try and do some more stuff and, and kind of kind of showcase some of the stuff that he's got up there and hopefully uh, well, he's going to have some of the PSE bows in there. The rep was coming in here or there. Um, and we want to get up there and kind of do some some video work on on those actual bows and, and kind of get John's breakdown um, on those bows. But before we get into that, what I want to talk about is, so they don't really um, break out any new bows, generally speaking, at the ATA show. It's all before that so that the dealers can go there and place their orders on what's right, what's, what's selling. Yeah, cause, I mean, this is what, our third year. So, I, I mean, I wasn't there in the past. All I can go by is what, you know, people, you know, say what it used to be like. They used to release the bows, you know, at that time. But now they're releasing them so early, you know, the, the businesses are trying to just get it out there and, you know, get the hype ahead of time for the consumer but you know so there's not a no not a ton of new stuff i mean the tethered you know we'll get to that too tethered came out with their fan yeah i just want to talk about the bows right now right, right because one of the things on these new bows so the first of all we shot the the uh, a few a few different bows but Specifically, I want to talk about the elite bow and the cure. What? Yep, and the the new Bowtech system, um, and what that does for the average guy, like uh, like for for yourself, you know, if if you were gonna gonna buy a, a new bow, um, we're a guy that doesn't that likes to tinker, maybe doesn't have, didn't have a press. Um, uh, talk about the features that those bows have, because I think for a regular dude, that that's pretty, pretty cool technology, right? Yeah. So what, basically what they did, like the elite came out with the cure. And so that is, um, a limb pocket adjustment. So you have a set screw and then the adjustment screw right on the riser by the back of the limb pocket and it even has direction like turn it this way for a left tear turn it this way for a right tear and so it eliminates like either like with the matthews if you're going to shim the cams you got to put it in the bow put it in the press take the top hats out swap them out 
whatever, flip flop them, swap them, whatever you're gonna do, then put it all back together. So you gotta pull the cable or the the cams actually off, and pull the axles out, pop the. Uh, <clears throat> the old Bowtex used to have the yoke system, so you'd you'd have to put it in the press, take cable, you know, split yoke, put a couple twists in one side, top and bottom. The Hoyts, you know, the same thing. They had to split yoke on the top. So if you're, we're talking adjusting, you know, for right and left tears, you know, tuning your bow, paper tuning, you know, or bare shaft tuning, whatever you want to call it or however you want to do it. So Elite come out with the cure, which is they eliminated the need of a press. You can just tune each limb pocket one way or the other. And then Bowtech come out with like the Revolt and the Reckoning. They actually came out with the Reckoning last year. That's like the target version. And I actually talked to one of the guys at the club, uh, talked to Andy Tufts at the club last night, and his son is shooting the new Reckoning. He's like, one of the easiest bows he's ever tuned. He said, bare shaft, and took him just, he said he went the wrong way the first time, turned it back, and then, bam, he said, bare shaft, perfect bullet hole. He's got him shooting, I mean, and he's loving it. So, that's a, you know, it's a great, it's a great system for guys that don't have, you know, a bow press. Now, that doesn't eliminate the, like, if your cam timing's out, you're still going to have to put in the press and put a couple twists or put a twist or take some out of the cables and, you know, fine-tune that. But for doing your normal paper tuning and stuff, that's so, right. It's good. So with the, um, with that elite and that adjustability, did that, did they also allow you to change the draw length? Because for a long time they were just module um, draw lengths. You know, what? I did not look at the cams and the. I think it did because I think it's a it's their first like fully adjustable bow, but I, I, I'm not exactly sure. And we shot those bows, and John's not a fan of the that what the real solid back wall. You like a sponge. Yeah, but that bow was it, after shooting like the Matthews and the PSE. And then going over to the, the, it had, I felt like it had a lot of vibration. Yeah. Like it definitely wasn't, I mean, it was smooth and it was fast, but it definitely felt like it had vibration. And, you know, it wasn't dead in the hand. Like by far the Matthews for me, I didn't, I didn't get to shoot the Bowtech. Um, <clears throat> the Matthews was by far the, the deadest. I mean, and it, the draw cycle is, you know, amazing on that bow. And the, the the only problem I have with Matthews is that I like to play with my draw length. You know, I'm always dinking around with something. So in order to, to change your draw length on the Matthews, you have to have a module change. Well, and, and talk a little bit about that because, like, for whatever reason, you know, many of the bows at ATA – or the companies, they have these different bows set up a different drawing, so they just grab a different bow. But at the Matthews booth, like, there was a full-time, like, Santa's elves with screw guns, like, zipping in and out these modules, like, back and forth. <laughs> I wonder how many times they cross-threaded. Well, and who, what was the one guy that you oh, were Oh, it was just Jesse Broadwater was standing there working on, uh, working on, it was actually a mission or something, so it was 
It's kind of odd one. But. Yeah, but yeah, I walked up and I'm like, well, there's Jesse Broadwater working on the boat right there. It's like so. one of the best shots in, in the world <laughs> ever. I mean, he's freaking phenomenal. And so, uh, like for me personally, like I don't get into all the the doodads and thingamabobs. Is like John's the the bow guy. The one thing, like you know, he talks about the draw cycle on that Matthews, and I was, I think I shot a sixty pound Matthews. Um, the cams are big and kind of oblong, but they're they're still really big, and the draw cycle is super smooth. But I don't know what it was. I felt like even at that 60 pound bow and it was, you know, I wasn't cold. I wasn't anything, but I think the sacrifice on that smooth draw cycle was, it felt like I was pulling 60 pounds all the way back. And as it, I just, I mean, like I said, I was hunting in 16 degree weather this year and I can see that being like an, like an issue. Well, that would be, that's what I would consider smooth. Like it's, yeah, you don't get that big peak and valley, right? But it w- there wasn't any side. like, I don't know. I, like I said, I'm I'm just the, it was a smooth draw cycle. You didn't get that big snap. It, it wasn't like one pull and then bang. Um, but I feel like the bow that I have is a fairly smooth draw cycle, but it doesn't it doesn't. I, mean, I don't feel like I'm pulling that the entire time. Um, right, that and the Matthews is one of the fastest. It's still like rated. I think it, that one's rated like two or three forty three in the thirty one and a half, and then like the twenty eight's like three forty four or something. So, I mean, still it's a it's a fast shooting bow. Uh, what I think it can it comes with you can get two different modules for let off, maybe three. And to be honest, I I think that John was really hoping that Dudley was going to go to Matthews because I don't know if you shot that bow. I shot the, I shot the verdicts last year and really liked it. And I had actually uh, texted, I was texting Pat, one of our, one of our buddies. I was texting back in December. Like if, if the VXR is, you know, a tiny bit better than that verdicts, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to be retooling. I, I told them, so you know I love my Hoyts and they shoot great, but I just you know that I looked at the price tag. I, I went up and you know to Mitch's and looked at the the RX4, and I mean you're looking at a seventeen hundred dollar price tag. I mean yeah the 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 Mac or the PSC Mach Flight Four or the Mach Flight. Uh, Mock stealth or whatever it's called, <clears throat> you know that's I think that's seventeen hundred dollars too. But mm. you know it's that bow is way lighter and dead in I mean, the hand. Yeah, I don't I don't want to get into that just yet. the 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 thing about that so shooting that Matthews was, um, I mean that was a a great shooting bow. Um, I I just I just don't see the the price tag. Like, I don't see, you know, I heard guys at the club, you know, those guys we shot with and they are talking about, you know, we've got some guys that shoot at our club now that are shooting full 3d rigs and stuff like that. And they're looking at their bows and saying, that's a $2,500 rig. That's a, you know, um, and you know, they were saying, you know, if you want to get into archery right now, 
um, you know, you're looking at two grand or blah, blah, blah. And so, I mean, we just talked about it. Like I, on Walt's podcast, I mean, I killed the biggest buck of my life with a $280 bow fully set up. I mean, like that, there's some great bows out there. If you don't have the, I don't know, like the branding, like if you don't have like the, the freaking, you know, you don't have to flaunt it or whatever. And so I think that that's why I go, like when I go to the show and like, uh, I just see the price tags and the, the stuff. And I understand that, you know, these things are sexy and all that stuff, but you don't, there isn't a low end anything there. I mean, to well, a degree. Well, they had the missions and, but I don't, so I don't view the mission. I mean, and maybe I'm a hundred percent wrong in this and Matthew's guys can, uh, beat me up over this, but when I think of the mission, I think of the kids' bows. You know, yeah. well, I mean, bear. They had what did they have? We didn't really look at their booth a whole lot this year, but last year they had like their economy line and stuff. Yeah, but those were still seven hundred dollars or something yeah. like that, and and they produce bows for. Cabela's and Dicks and right. that are in the three and four hundred dollar range that aren't sexy, but I mean, well, yeah, look at the hunting it's a, public. It's they're, a damn those, good bow. That's a you know, like Ted and them guys. They're they're all mm-hmm. shooting bear bows, and uh, but, but but bear makes a a really nice high end bow. I mean, that was the argument last year was that 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 Kuma. Um, I thought that that lower end bow actually shot better than the kuma um like as far as being dead in the hand now it might not have had their latest technology and it might not have been um all that fancy but or or, or fast rather but it i mean it shot but as long as it shoots consistent right right i mean you know it doesn't it doesn't really matter um but then we went and shot the the PSEs, you know, John went in. This is one of the quintessential John things, right? So, like, we go there, and I think he had already shot him. And then we, Frank and I, and whatever, we went back and shot him. And uh, he's talking to the kid, and the kid's trying to tell us like what the specs are. And John's like, "Nope, nope, it's actually this." And then, and then this, and 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 John's correcting the the guy at the PSE booth about the speeds and the lengths and he's talking to guys about what the riser is. Is it the 35 or the 33 and why it's a 33 and all this stuff. Um, and so we shot them both. I'll let John give his opinion because I got like an unfair shake. I think I can't, I can't give a, a, a unbiased opinion of, about the, the nation bow. I mean, I can't. We of the aluminum riser nation bow. Yep. Yeah, because you ended up. <laughs> I shot the I shot the carbon bow first, and I mean, when John says like it's a dead bow, like it was, there was I mean, and this is one thing that I I didn't really take into consideration, um, like the first time when I'm, we were first at ATA, I shot every single bow, and I was just running around. I was going to shoot every one of them. Well, 
some of them had stabilizers. Some of them had, were fully set up to hunt. Some of them were bare bows. Some of them were, you know, and I mean, even like when we went to the Bowtech booth, they had like shot counters and speed counters and stuff. They had weird things on the bow and they're like, well, somebody just came over and said, Hey, can we put this on there and, and see, um, you know, just give information and it worked. Cause we're like, what the hell is that little digital thing right. on there? Well, we, I grab this bow and I shoot it and there's no stabilizer. There's no string weight. There's no peep. There's no sight. There's no anything. And it's just like, I mean, it's probably less vibration than shooting my setup right now in the bow, because it doesn't have any of that stuff on there weighs like about like a can of beer does. I mean, it, there's like nothing to it. And it's, 3.4 pounds or something. Yeah, it's, I, mean, I mean, it's stupid. And it's fast, and it's, I mean. But it, it, the see, difference is. Like, when I picked it up, like, matter of fact, he, I don't know if you were there, but they had one of, the, like, the bows from last year, that same model. It had a different grip, right? But yeah, but that had that square grip, which I, I remember picking them up before. I'm like, man, this thing feels like a 2 by 4 It just was not comfortable. And you, I'm not sure what, I mean, you could tape it, I guess. But it just was not a good feeling bow, you know. I I love the handle on my Hoyt, my RX one. But <clears throat> when I picked up that new, you know, it's this was. I mean, Dudley had nothing to do with the shape the of the riser, shape or anything on that bow. You know, they worked. Everything's been on the aluminum riser, and that that carbon bow is amazing. And what I was gonna say is that like. I don't know, like sometimes you'll shoot a bow and I think the obsessions and the expedition Makos are probably the best example of this. Like they got a pretty wild draw cycle and like the ones apparently that I was shooting last year were 90% let off. So it was like you're holding nothing. But when you shoot that bow, they seem like you know that they're fast. And on that PSE, it doesn't have that wild draw cycle. It doesn't have that. But man, when you let it go, like it's fast yes. and and dead. And so that's why I say like I'm completely biased. I have no opinion of yeah, the you walked up. And- I shoot that one because John's got the other one. And, uh, you know, they didn't. It, first of all, I don't think they had a a dozen of those bows made. Um, no, the nation bows? Yeah, let alone, no. like, available for you to shoot. So Yeah, I was just was shooting just a, regular 33. There's just a handful of them. So I shoot that bow, and then me and John switch, and everything was skewed, <laughs> you know, because that, that carbon bow, I mean, I can tell you this, if I was going to spend two grand on a bow, I'd buy that one. Um, right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be buying the Hoyt or well, one of the Mat. The Matthews aren't that expensive, but I mean, I would not be be buying that. I'd be buying that PSE, um, and not because it's a Dudley bow, but because it was that it's good. Freaking badass, right? Right. And so shooting the 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 aluminum riser um, is funny because John is complaining about the grips because it's got these weird rubber grips on it. And I said, well, by the end of the weekend, there'll be rattler grips, well, that, knock-on grips for it. 
that those grips come right off anyway, and then mm-hmm. it ends up being just like like my target riser on my. Well, and I watched that video when because Dudley just uh, well actually you know Caleb produced it and he even says like Caleb get in there and do that but um, the video about all the actual speeds like the the speeds with the 300 350 grain arrows and um, he was talking about I mean that bow is a seven inch brace height bow yeah and it's actually a little bit longer he said if you take the grip off because I don't think he likes the grip that much either. Um, and he shot, well, both of those bows right at 60 and 70 pounds with 300 and 350 grain arrow shot 304, 324 feet a second through the chrono. And then his bow with a 500 and it wasn't as, it was 510 and he was shooting 30 inches. Um, and it was 74 and a half pounds or something like that. And it was. I was 77 pounds. Maybe it was over. I was thinking it was under. But but either way, it was like 289 feet a second. And he said he wanted to be right in that range. And those were real chronographed speeds. And, you know, it, it is what it is. But um, for that bow. For his forgiving. I mean. That's what I was going to say. Like for. Like for with a seven inch brace height. For one that, I mean, as your brace height gets larger like my double xl that's an eight inch brace height that's like one of the most forgiving bows you can shoot the arrow's not on the string as long as it is and it's and then the other thing too is it's not your string isn't getting close so like for a hunting situation if you're wearing bulky stuff i'm sure people if they've listened to dudley talk about it not just me you're not getting your sleeve and stuff it's not coming at close you're not gonna have to have you're not gonna get your whack your wrist either so, and the other thing too, I mean, the it's it's got a similar split cable system like the Matthews and like the bottom cam on the Hoyts, but it does wrap around the cam more, like almost mm-hmm. like a spiral, which I was ta- talking to you about before on the way down there. Like it might be a little bit tougher to to build that string system for me, uh, but I'm sure I'll be giving it a whirl here soon but i mean just it's like a happy medium i mean i see why he picked that both for the knock on nation to start with he's excuse me started with the 33 inch evo so and then he you know he did some changes to the riser uh basically gave it like a a double uh, mounting mounting holes for the for your rest bracket, <clears throat> uh, did some other. Oh, he added like the stand, eliminated yep. the bottom. Cause yeah, he ch- he changed where the stabilizer mounts and well, adjusted that a little bit because it used to be real low. They had or something, or they had they, two? they had two on the the regular Evo has two. You have a lower and an upper uh, stabilizer mount on the front, and so he eliminated the lower one so that way. He put the you know the he had to put some meat back in the riser there where they could machine in the the holes for the his stand and then he did some out like he well in that little um so i'm i'm looking at john's hoyt right here um is that the new bottom deal or is that the old one 
this the, is the, the splitter. Old. So this, the new ones on the high target bow. Yeah, so that that split deal for the bottom yoke. I don't know if it's yoke or whatever the hell it yeah, is. It's the cable splitter on the the bottom on the PSE. Is there's actually I'm, I'm pretty sure there's our aluminum. And it, but it's drilled for a rest. So, yeah, it has a. I think it actually had drill. I think it was had holes in it to begin with, but I think they might have had to ream it out or something a little bigger. But so now he's mounting his uh, drop away, drop away rest through that, which yeah, I guess you know it makes sense. It's not you, you're going to eliminate some of the bounce that you get from the over travel on the limbs. It does. It is. I mean, kind of scary thought like that. I guess anything could get in your cable and knock them off track. But if, as you draw back and there's some slack in that, uh, <laughs> and it got caught on something, it could pull their your cables off track down below instead of just catching it in your limb. You know what I'm saying? But <clears throat> we'll see. Yeah, and who am I? I mean, <laughs> to, right? Yeah, I mean he he's been he was doing it on the Hoyts. They just couldn't put it in there and. Right. Um, that that's that sort of thing. So, um, I mean, as as far as the bows at ATA, th- those were the things that I saw that were really but, really cool. Well, like I was saying, comparing that to the to the Matthews, I think the Matthews for me did edge it out just a hair. But when it comes down to the options, like it, the draw length is adjustable with cam mods that come. You know, uh, the let off could go from uh, 80, 85 to 90, all in that same mod. And then you can actually get speed speed mods for it too and go to drop it down to like 75%. So, you know, it's, well, that and Dudley's there too. So it's like, if I'm going to switch up, I might as well go. Well, and and so this is what John told me. And maybe you can elaborate on your thought process on this, but. He said, you know, and and knowing the reason that 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 Dudley went to PSE was he said that it it opens up a whole new world of um, having actual in the the knock on nation and, and whatever having input on what can what can, they want to see what they want to see in a bow. And what he did right now is he just took the bow that he thought best fit and is tailored it to to his deal. But um, you know, you said you you wouldn't be surprised to see uh, a nation one point five or, or or something like that. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, he's just. I think this they're just scratching the surface is what they're gonna you know allow them to do i mean because obviously there's already been way more you know they're already surprised at the amount of attention this has already got and so i mean why wouldn't they i mean that's the thing too like if you if you go and look at some of his posts right now he's been down at the factory and they're showing like the machining process everything is in-house so like and they have the engineers and everything to do it I mean, they're machining all the modules, the cams, the risers, they're coating their own, you know, everything is all done right there. And so 
they have the facility that they want. I mean, they literally changed. They made those changes on that boat in that short period of time and made it happen and got it to ATA so they could reveal it. So, yeah, the the funny thing is, I was going to ask John, and it's it's too bad Frank's not here today because I mean, well, I mean, we're trying to keep this podcast short, so maybe <laughs> it's not a bad thing. But, um, so when John decided that he wasn't going to get a chance to talk to Dudley, he said, "All right, well, I'm going to go get something to eat." He leaves, and you know Frank's been trying to talk to Pete Shepley for a couple of years, and uh, he's standing there. So we sat, and literally we talked just with Pete Shepley candidly, just you know Frank and him talking about the old days and Fred Bear and um, I mean all the stuff, and then how these bows are made and what you know um, you know Pigman shooting PSE. And so they've got Pigman and Dudley, and he was talking about the differences. But, you know, he's like, you know, Pigman is a salesman. He sells shit. You know, he's out there. He's doing this. And he's like, and Dudley's a whole nother, you know, animal. But they're both bringing great things to the table for, for PSE. And, you know, Pete was telling us about, you know, how many bows they're making. And he's like, they're, you know, thousands of bows behind carbon bows on the carbon bows because it's all built in house and there's like the process sounds like it's pretty tedious and he said they make 15 a day yep he said they can make 15 carbon bows a day and i mean if if you're looking at like volume and like you know why and i guess that's a good um like whether it is or it isn't um in your price range like it's it's you know you look at a you know I was just at the the, the trad show in Kalamazoo and a thousand dollar longbow or a thousand dollar recurve and in in that regard you're talking about well it's also a work of art it's beautiful and you know it takes the x amount of time you know well. At 15 bows a day, they're not really cranking them out. You know what I no. mean? There's a lot of time and, and, and effort and everything that goes into it. So, I mean. Yeah. You don't see everybody toting around a freaking one of the PSE carbons. They don't just give them out. It's <laughs> like, I mean, Hoyt, I swear half the people on YouTube are sponsored by Hoyt. I mean, you know, don't, I'm not knocking Hoyt. They're great. I'd if you want my, to send us a bow hoyt, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I love my my bow shoots great, but I couldn't. That's why I'm still shooting my RX one though. I couldn't justify going out and spending another sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars just to, you know, go up to the RX three and then the RX four. But then, so when like the price point on that, the aluminum PSE is going to be twelve hundred bucks. Yep. You know, so that five hundred dollars. Isn't worth it, or you? There's more useful mods in the in the aluminum bow, or or what? Well, I think for the like for me, that that carbon bow is amazing, but I'm not gonna go out and shoot targets with it and stuff. Where that 33 inch aluminum is more versatile. Where you you're gonna take it hunting, you can go and you can bring it and switch it over right now and shoot indoor 3d you know everything so it's going to be a all-around bow i mean 33 inches axle axle it's not super short it's not 
overly long, but I think it's like the best of both worlds where you can, and I think that's kind of what Dudley's kind of shooting for right now with that is it's going to be an all around, you know, bow that anyone can just go out and buy one bow and do all the stuff you got. You can change it, your mods where, you know, the higher let off if you're for hunting or whatever, if you want stronger back wall or, you know, more holding weight for target, you know, maybe throw some 60 pound limbs on it or something, you know, where if you do that, that's like, you know, what I did with my RX-1, I ended up getting a set of 80 pound limbs for going on elk hunt, but I can always fall back onto the 70s instead of where if I have the aluminum bow, I shoot it, you know, with 70 pound limbs or 80 pound limbs or whatever you want. And then switch it over for the target season. Now I'm shooting the same bow. I'm just, and I can change the, the lead off to where I'm holding the same weight, but I'm drawing less weight each time so I can get more volume out of it. Now shoot that all year round, get back to hunting season, switch it, you know, or before hunting season, obviously, switch it back to the 70 pound limbs or eight, whatever you want. And now you're, you're not getting used to a whole new bow again, you know? So that was one of the things where I like right now I'm dealing with some neck issues and a shoulder issue. So last year I didn't switch up my, I shot our indoor leagues, which is a small game, you know, silhouettes. It's more of like a hunting thing. It's not about, running a target rig <clears throat> last year i shot my i mean complete elk setup rx1 with 80 pound limbs my eastern axis arrows and i shot the first couple weeks this year with it but it's just my shoulder right now is popping and cracking so i end up you know i have my Hoyt pro force basically it's a 3d rig but i uh I took and set it up basically just like my hunting rig. Put the short stabilizer on it. It's got a regular uh, SmackDown Pro Rest. Put my some old Carbon Express arrows. They're not the big fat shafts. Got rid of those, but but it's sixty pounds with eighty percent let off, and so I'm still holding the twelve pounds like my eighty pound limbs on my, and it's the same cam everything same draw cycle it's so that was one of the reasons why i picked that bow so i could shoot that you know, during the off season do some 3d with the fat shafts all that but that didn't work out but it's, but i'm getting off on a whole <laughs> completely different tangent but i think that psc you know the knock on nation bow is just the beginning of good things to come and so you're willing to concede, like, where the Matthews edged it out. What you're saying is the the benefits of the adjustable draw lengths and, and things like that. That's why you would pick the PSE over the, the yeah. Matthews outside of just being a, a supporter of John Dudley. Yeah. Yeah. And... <clears throat> You know, there was, it, when we were setting up the 
or when they're setting up the PS or the Matthews, <clears throat> I don't think they had like a, well, for one, I, I think you can only get them up to 75 pound limbs. Not that, I mean, that 75 pounds is enough, but I think they only had like 60 pound when the one I shot was 60 pounds. And I did notice that at one point I did pull Uncle Frank and kind of chainsawed it. Yeah, chainsawed it a little bit, which that's one thing I like to have my valve. But that can also change with the PSE as you go from like 95% or whatever it was, 90% down to 85 to 80. As you go down in that, what that's doing is just changing the stop on the cam so you're losing some of that valley also so like if you drop it down to the 80 percent let off on the pse evo cams you're gonna lose lose some of that also but but just the adjustability and everything with it <laughs> so um i i think we covered like the bows pretty extensively yeah. um and I, I mean hey this is a this is a banner night. We've had John talking for quite some time now. Um, but this is going to be even better because so the other thing about the show that's been the talk of probably everything all the way around and, you know, a lot of questions and, you know, unless you were at the show or you're really, really plugged in, um, there's not a lot of people that have sat in the, the tethered phantom and, so last year we saw it with the um, Lone Wolf Custom Gear, where that booth was buzzing like the entire time, like it didn't, it never stopped. Um, now, granted, Tethered had a lot of staff there, so the booth always seemed full, um, regardless. But there was always like a line to try out the the Phantom. And that being said, there was nothing else there. There were no other saddles there to try. Um, Lone Wolf Custom Gear and Brad, uh, I don't know how to say his last name, but he's the guy that, you know, was behind the original. I mean, I, I, I don't know the history to be able to say whether it is the original um, saddle platform, um, probably the saddle production platform that came out with um, Lone Wolf way back and now i think it's the the ambush or the assassin uh platform with lone wolf custom gear um you know he had his saddle there and he was wearing it but it wasn't something that you could they didn't have a booth uh a tree where you could try it on and and and, and work on it so in the building there was nothing else that you could take for a ride as far as saddles go other than the phantom and so i think one of the phantoms actually took a ride with <laughs> yeah well i mean it was so crazy i was joking around with taylor and and saying like i'm just gonna take one of these home because <laughs> you certainly could have and then when we when we left on uh on saturday night you know at the end of the show when we were going home you know in the in the walkway, people were actually tearing down the booths and everything like when we left. And out in the walkway, there was a mannequin with some first light gear and the Phantom. And John and I joked about taking it and like sending a ransom picture <laughs> to the, the tethered guys. Um, 
and just to say, Hey, we've, we've got, we've got this if you want it back, you know, whatever. Um, but so, um, let's talk about that. So John sat in the, he hunted one time from the Manus. He hunted with the trophy line. Um, and it's hard to get a feel for the, um, for a saddle at ground level and, you know, just sitting in it, swinging around uh, uh, to be uh, emphasized or exclamation pointed when John is making fun of me and telling me that I'm an idiot <laughs> last year in July. Um, and it's, it's, it's come full circle now. So, um, you know, so he, he maybe changed his view on, on whether saddles are stupid or not. But so what did you think a of, the 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 booth that tethered had the the hype and then the actual product because neither one of us has ever even messed with uh the predator platform um and you know we we've used their uh mantis the versa straps the the hanger stuff uh strap on the tree um, and they had everything there for you to kind of check out and, and run through. And they were, they were kind of showing you how to do it. But uh, John's coming from a background of the wild edge steps and, um, you know, one sit in a mantis. And then a season, half a season, most of the season from the trophy line saddle. So, I mean, what did you see from the from the booth perspective on the things that they had? And then then your thoughts on the Phantom before I get into it. Well, I think their booth was, I mean, they had an awesome setup. They had three three trees set up, and they said a lot of staff, which and most of those guys were all very knowledgeable. But when I got it, I mean, for one, I had been saying I wanted to go to a platform. I love the wild edge steps, the system going up, but I want to be able to, if I have, if I if I want to, I want to be able to stand up at least on a little platform. So I've been wanting to, you know, try out that that predator, and you know, I got that Phantom on and started out, I think, in the low, the low. So what are the differences between that? Before you get into that, so what are the new features for the Phantom and, like? <clears throat> so, for one, it's shaped different like a banana it's or a football. Like, and we had talked about this with the trophy line, how it was just, like, straight and, and the Manus. Mm-hmm. So, they had change it so it kind of cups your ass now and then they also did the what do they call the little the comfort Comfort channels comfort channels basically they sewn in like a little marble inside inside some tubular webbing on the bridge right uh, the bridge loops loops and then now the bridge is also adjustable with the prusik knot well so those are the i mean but feels like when you grab it like there's nothing to it like it's so light and and i mean the manis was light so they also extended the the loops for the linemen they changed the angle of them so instead of being angled like up and and that might be just in the actual shape of the saddle but they're kind of straight out which lends more towards like the actual way that you use the lineman, you're more perpendicular to the tree at that point than 
Well, that when makes, they made them bigger, bigger, too. Bit bigger. Yeah, because yeah. uh, they wanted them to get them out away from, like, their cis haulers. That's what, uh, was it Carl or Ernie was, was talking about. So, but those comfort settings are, I mean, I mean, like, at first I had it in the low setting. I could feel it was like, oh, it's kind of riding. I'm like, uh, and then moved it and what was funny is is greg was calling it like he's like you're probably feeling it like right about yeah. here and here and all of a sudden popped it into the and it was like oh my god like perfect like it was just sitting there like a nice set of hands cupping your ass like like man this is perfect i could sit here all day and then i'm you know standing on the platform swinging around and, and you know i i mean as of right now, it was the most comfortable one. I'm not, I mean, I'm not knocking the, the trophy line that was, I hunted out of it all season, killed my first deer out of a saddle, and, you know, it it worked great. But this one definitely was super comfortable. And then, you know, with the the add-ons that they have, like the strap for the back, you know, the comfort strap, back band, you know, man. The, I'm the impressed. recliner, they call it. So, the reason that I wanted you to say that is because you're way more analytical. And I could see that when you were, like, talking, like, the way that you were responding to the way that it was adjusted. So, my personal opinion of the Phantom is, first of all, that that's exactly what we talked about in the in our our saddle like kind of review podcast and sticks and whatever, just our gear review for the year is like, we held them up and said, if these weren't flat across the top, like the reason that one is more of a leaner and one is more of a sitter is because of the, the shape of them. And there's so much more material in the, in the trophy line that like I can sit in that one all day long and the angles of it are a little bit, you know, you, you have to figure out like right where you want it and you just have to know. And with the mantis is the same thing. Like you, I think the, um, the micro fit adjusters really made that for me. Like was a, a legitimate like night and day difference as far as like riding up hip pinch, all of that sort of thing. Um, now on the phantom, this is what I've been saying. So the all of the guys, for the most part, that hunted out of, that, that created tethered, that are tethered, hunted in saddles for years and years and years. And so for John and I, or myself especially, is I can sit in my saddles now and I know where they need to be so that I can be comfortable. And I've sat many, you know, probably a dozen all day sits this year and I just know like what to expect as far as comfort and that's one season so we're talking decades or thousands of hours in the saddles of the guys that created tethered of experience and so what they're saying is like in all those thousands of hours think of all the thousands of hours that you've spent in any deer stand thinking 
man, if this just had that, or this just had that, or this just had that. This right here would make it this much better. And that's what they did when they created Tethered. And then they expanded on that for the Phantom. So, to me, the Phantom is... Now, they tout it as, Tethered says, it's the game changer, it's the game ender. I would almost argue the point that it is the beginning. Because for anybody that wants to just jump into saddle hunting, once you figure it out, you could get into any saddle, right? And once you've found the comfort, the uh, liberation of being able to just swing around the tree and, and you know, finding comfort in that, um, once you have your setup, it's going to take you X amount of times to figure out, like, the things that you don't like and kind of nitpick. It is such a... Um, novel uh outside of the box like nothing you've ever done before type thing if you're coming strictly from a tree stand or you know hang on or climb now what the phantom does and why i would say it's the beginning is that all of that learning curve and all of that is kind of like out the window um as far as that comfort that hip pinch those comfort channels are going to allow you to kind of tailor that hip pinch and within a second and that that adjustable bridge where we don't really think about it as like um something that's necessary or something that's novel because um arrow hunter has had an adjustable bridge option forever um you kind of demonstrated how you can do that on your mm-hmm. uh, trophy line but you can't make it shorter yeah well, how could you make it? Well, it, regardless. So I was, uh, so on the Facebook forums and stuff like that, people always post like, you know, does anybody have a saddle? I was showing somebody yesterday um, who had done that and said, hey, do you, is there anybody in West Michigan that has a saddle? I've got one. Well, I've got a bunch of them, it turns out. Um, so I'll, I'll bring them over and show you. So that was one of the things. He's like asking me like tether height, um, where do you put the prusik, whatever. I'm like, well, you're limited based upon the length of your bridge and the length of your prusik because that's one of the things with the trophy line has a super long prusik. So you're limited in the sense of you can only do, you, you can only do so much. And he's like, well, what about this? If this was comfortable and had it, you know, tether, eye height, brought the prusik down. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, try and lean back. And so now you're you're going beyond 45 degrees. You're hanging out there 60 degrees off the tree. And then when you go to sit down, you know. You're, you're on your step. You're, you're, you're 10 inches off of your step. And you're just like hanging there like you're going to take a shit off the back of your, your, under your sticks there. And so you're limited. So I think that that's where the adjustable bridge comes in. Um, just as much as it does tightening it up for walking in and you know, putting that tag end in your pocket. So uh, personally, I think that the Phantom is like, if 
if money was no object and to purchase a, a, a $250 saddle um, for to eliminate the learning curve, I think that that's the, the main benefit of the Phantom outside of if you've been saddle hunting for quite some time and there's those things that you've decided that you don't want to um, deal with or, you know, X amount amount of money I would pay if I didn't have to do this. Uh, that's where I think the Phantom really shines is that amount of comfort. And I think, you know, we always move towards the the public land hunter. So when we say, um, when we give our opinions, it's always based on the public land hunter. And we're talking about uh, packing in, we're talking about all day sits, we're talking about, um, you know, lots of different variables, but we're not talking preset locations uh with sticks or anything like that so um i think if you were gonna just plan on hunting for a few hours um and you wanted to just be more comfortable uh hunt different trees all that um i don't know i think for most people any saddle is going to seriously give you greater benefits over a tree stand um but the phantom itself for me seems like it's going to take away all of that that learning curve john's over here messing with his trophy line shortening it up okay so you don't have to just use the uh, the long end you could just use the short end yeah you just put it through and then you, as you pull this up, it tightens it down on itself. Okay. So then you have like, that's what I was saying before, like you'd have a little bit of a loop a left slack. over. And I guess when you're moving through your thing, but that wouldn't matter. No. Um, but the that Phantom is really, really awesome. I mean, as far as like being user-friendly, um, light, still uses the same buckle, it only has one option for leg loops. Um, and you could, uh, so Greg did a really great video for us. Um, it's on our, our Facebook page. Um, I should probably take that and put it on YouTube. Um, but I had John film it and he filmed it vertically. So it's. Um, what about what's the name? He filmed the whole thing too. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can see if he's got that too. Um, uh, Isaac filmed it for, uh, we did it for uh, Bowhunter Planet. So, it's it, Greg did a great demonstration of the Phantom um, and and kind of all the features and and, and we kind of went through it. So, but I didn't even th- sorry about that. I didn't even think about <laughs> it. You know, hey, hey, we're still learning here. But but yeah, I mean that that was one of the big things. Um, you know, our last podcast with uh, Matt Garris from Out on a Limb. You know, we kind of went through all that. John, what do you think about those those sticks? They're 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 freaking nice. I mean, they're light, small. I mean, 
I guess you'd have to try them for a season, see how all that, you know, the folding up and everything works out. And if they, you know, we'll see how they wear in. I know you said that he made the tolerances to a certain point because they are going to, you know. Because of the powder. Yeah, wear. But. Well, the the standoffs are super sharp. I mean, like sharp enough that, like doing it with a bare hand oh, is. Oh, cut you. You're going to wreck gloves and shit when they're. But, yeah, they don't weigh anything and they stack stupid. I mean, like stupid thin. It was like just over, just under a dollar bill for four four sticks stacked up on each other. And so I climbed with the, the I bought one. Um, just strictly, like I said, we're still going to do a, a, a comparison video. Um, I was waiting on the B sticks to get here. I've got a set of B sticks. Um, I put, so I put one of the B sticks and these are the regular B sticks that are 24 inch, um, stick. And these, uh, I, they came with stell strips on them and, uh, they, um, uh, neither one of them had straps or anything like that. Uh, and both weigh 1.6 pounds. So, um, kind of here or there, you can, I guess, get a little higher with a B stick, um, for about the same money. But now the B sticks are making shorter ones and out on limbs making longer ones, um, to accommodate, uh, everybody as far as price points. I don't know if they're going to be all the same. I don't I have to imagine the weights are going to shrink so. and expand, um, both, but, you know, being that, that, you know, so the phantom and that those out on a limb sticks won the awards at the, the show, as far as being like new innovative and, and whatever, um, that out on a limb stick is like, if you want to be, you know, I posted on our Instagram, do you go for like lightweight packability cost or like moving parts? Like I tend to lean towards no moving parts. I mean, I use those, um, muddy pros at the beginning of this year and even prior to having other sticks or whatever while i was climbing the fact that while i was standing there because of the way that they're geared i could shift back and forth i didn't like that um and so now we've got these sticks where i fully believe you know you'd want to you'd have to tighten them down. You'd have to do all of that. But I feel like, you know, to a degree, and this is just my personal opinion. Um, I don't have any experience with them and there's guys that have hunted with them all year long. Um, my fear is getting bark or something in those threads or that where you seems like it's seated or in between where that's supposed to lock up. And, you know, they're designed to, fold completely 180 degrees parallel with that so you know can you imagine in the dark being three sticks up and tightening that down and it's super cold and it freaking falling on it? i mean fold up yeah 
Uh, and and like I said, with everything, with climbing or anything like that, you know, you got to have a safety line, safety harness, lineman's bell, like whatever. Um, well, you'd be at the bottom of the tree. You're going to climb up and unhook it and unfold it all and then attach it, or are you going to do it all at the bottom? I'm not, I'm talking about standing on it. Oh, I thought, well, making sure that it was. But what I'm afraid of is so making sure. So you're in the dark. You've got something in between there. You tighten it down where it it becomes tight, but it's tight on some form piece of material. Pine bark. Now you get it up there and you're your third stick or your fourth stick on the top step and you take that step and it just folds flat. Poof. This trap door. You know. I mean I'm not saying that that's gonna happen, but I'm Well only your foot's I'm only a, gonna drop seventeen inches to the next <laughs> But I'm I'm the worst case scenario guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like I want less variables. I get it. I But packability isn't that isn't paramount to me. You know what I mean? There's some guys that do way sketchy shit all the time. Um, well, and, yeah, look at some of the aiders and stuff. I mean, well, and you know, guys that just climb up the limbs until they can't. I mean, and there's too many limbs, so I don't wear a lineman's belt or anything like that. And like, I mean, we got something to bounce off on the way down, right? I've seen that firsthand, and that's no good. <laughs> um, but those, I mean, like I say, the design. Like the packability, um, all that stuff. And I mean, and he was talking to me prior to that about, you know, patents and other things. And, and he's not the only guy working on that. So right. it's not like. It's not the only game. It, it's not. Well, but it's not. What I mean is, it's not like so dangerous that everybody's like, oh, we're not going to do that. It's. It, that's just my personal like thought process is all. And some people don't, you know, want to use climbers or they don't want to use climbing sticks because it's, you know, they feel that that's, that's too dangerous. You know, everybody's got their own, their own comfort level. Um, my, uh, if, if I were to choose right now, I think my setup, I would go with a full set of, Wild Edge Steps as my climbing aid to a Predator platform and a Phantom. I mean, that's that would be like my ultimate setup for... And is that what you're going to do for 2020? That's what I'm going to shoot for, yeah. My budget. (laughs) I'm looking at thousands of dollars worth of bows here. Yeah, and they all got to go. So anyone <laughs> wanting a, a new Hoyt? An old Hoyt. An old Hoyt. Target Hoyt. Target Hoyt. 100-year-old uh, Matthews. Uh, got a Summit tree stand, a couple of them. <laughs> Everything's for sale. But, but yeah, so, I mean, so those being, like, the big, like I said, I don't want to keep this for, like, a million and, like, a complete. Let me finish that and then top it off with a new NTN 33 in my hand. <laughs> and, oh, wait. 
And then if I really wanted to get crazy, I'd have a full whitetail Sitka get up too. <laughs> that's cost more than the bow. You're talking I know. about a $1,700 <laughs> bow. That's $3,000 suit. Right. No, I'm. That's. You talk about budget. That's out That's the last on the list. I'd rather put. Camo is not that important. I mean, a good set of hunting clothes is important. I mean, but my old Cabela's suit works just fine. I'm going completely the other way. I mean, well, I'm like, give me a fucking self bow and some. some. You're going with stick bow now? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not that committed. I've, I'm considering shooting a turkey with one. Um, shooting, <laughs> shooting at a turkey with one. Wait but a minute. I don't know how it's going to fit wait, in the blind. Wait. So it's going to be a whole nother. You got to kill a turkey with your compound bow first. That's I'm putting that on you. You're not saying that that turkey. You're saying that that turkey that I shot didn't die. Is what you're saying? Well, I didn't see it die. So <laughs> it's dead. No, I'm sure it died. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure. The coyote got it when he couldn't fly up into the tree. Um, but uh, like. I don't know. I'm 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 starting to, so I'm starting to get crazy. But so what okay, I gave my prediction what my ultimate as of right now, things can change. What is what what are you looking at? What would you be your setup? For this year? Yeah, what's um so I've got a set of four B sticks and um I mean I'm gonna give everybody out here a word of warning. If you are comfortable in the amount of money that you have and you have a nice system and you enjoy it, if somebody says, somebody says, hey, you want to check out one of my bee sticks? You say, no, <laughs> I don't. Um, the, those API sticks that I cut down made the poor man's bee sticks were legit. Um they work just fine for me. There's nothing wrong with them. Uh, I, d- I didn't really care for the standoffs. Um, that's just personal preference. There's nothing wrong with them until you tried the real beast. And then the beast sticks, like when you have one in your hand and it feels like nothing. Um, and I, I mean, it it's the real deal uh, as far as like being complete like a complete stick so there's no moving parts they they're solid on the tree um you know so i'm gonna hunt with those i'm gonna put my um artisan outdoor platform on one of them and that's that's gonna be the way that i that i run it and as far as the saddle goes i mean I don't know. I mean, well, yeah. Let me take that back. It's, There's it's so about, many others. It's about, it's about. It's about. It's just a monetary thing, you know. Like, if, do I feel like any of them? Like, are, the reason that I went. By, so I hunted in the Mantis for the whole first part of the season. We got the trophy line saddles. I hunted in that, and I didn't use my rope, and I didn't use any of that. And I, I, I hunted out of the trophy line. And I got comfortable in that one. And then I got so many questions after that podcast that we did about which one do you like better. I was like, hell, I don't even remember what the Mantis was like. Like, I mean, I hunted for it for so long, from it for so long, you know, this season. But 
it's just, I mean, once you're in a saddle and you're used to that, I mean, the, the, the mantis, when I sit rode up a little bit and the trophy line, when I stand rides up a little bit. So being one who would rather just sit and put my knees up against a tree, and it's a lot easier to film with my knees up against a tree because I'm a little bit more steady. Hunting from the trophy line wasn't a big deal. Um, and in, in that regard, it's like, well, you know, the Phantom would be great, but to spend 250 bucks for right. something that I'm not fed up with, you know, at this point, um, one thing that I am going to do is I'm going to get rid of all my ropes and I'm going to get Sterling Oplux tether. And I don't know if I'm going to get a lineman's belt or not. I probably will, but I'm going to get a, a Sterling Oplux tether and run some sort of friction hitch. And that's what I'm going to use rather than, um, a ropeman or a, a tender tender or anything. Cause I, I don't think it's overly necessary on your tether. And if, if you've got something, and especially if you were running an actual platform where you could stand up, uh, a, taking the weight off of it and adjusting it is, isn't a big deal. So, um, but for me, that's the, the saddle is going to be whatever. Um, and, and that's, I don't, I'm just cheaper than you, John. I don't, um, you know, <laughs> I mean, it, I spend so much money on all trying all the stuff. So, I mean, literally, like if you go in the back of my suburban right now, there's three saddles and three sets, three different sets of climbing sticks, and then all my other crap. And there's probably camera gear in there that I don't even know what's in there because I don't keep track of anything all that much. So it's, you know, it is what it is. Um, one thing I want to talk about before we wrap this up was the lone wolf custom gear stuff. Um, you know, there's a few other things that spy, the spy point, a uh, little add on cellular deal is pretty cool. Um, but it's kind of one of those things I'm, I'm trying to get spy point on here to talk about it. There, I'm sure that they did a bunch of testing, but there's nobody out there that's really seen it work. Um, spy point has a little cellular module with a ribbon cable that goes into your SD card hookup and it'll make any trail camera cellular. So, um, but the thing is, is you're kind of having like a water wick that goes into your electronics. Um, so depending on how it interfaces and where it's mounted, it could be great or or not but we did look at a bunch of the different cellular trail cameras using them this year um vicariously through my buddies and in in those areas and, and things like i think it'll be i think they're uh kind of like invaluable depending on where you're able to run them and i think um this may be naive or wishful thinking but I think in some of the places that we hunt, um, where there's service, it'll make it stupid unfair for turkey hunting. I mean, I really do. <laughs> I mean, if you've got a place where you think that they're roosting, 
and you can get them in real time the night before and know that they went by and have an idea of where they're roosted, um, it's crazy. And so if you could spend 60 bucks and have something that took a regular trail camera that you already own and make it cellular, God, that's unfair. You know, <laughs> I mean, but, but I wanted to talk about the lone wolf custom gear stuff because their camera arm, um, the way that it folds up, um, compared to the boat anchor, uh, as referenced by John that he's running and like some of the other stuff that's out there, the packability is what's key. And, um, the one thing that I'm worried about on that camera arm is on the top, it's just one little pin that keeps it. I think by the time you see a production model or the 1.5 version, a mini six point bracket on there, like a mini, um, thing that you would have on the back of your lone wolf custom gear or XOP or lone wolf stand, that bat wing, if you were to have that on there, it would eliminate the ability for it to move. And uh, I mean, I'm just in the same line of uh, thinking as the, as the sticks is I'm a worst case scenario guy. You've got multiple deer moving around. You're trying to move that camera. You move it over here, you go and grab your bow. You got your lens out there. It's extended perpendicular to the way that it's supposed to be holding onto the tree. One point of contact at that point. I mean, I know that they're camming it over and it's, but it just seems so, uh, so little, um, material that's holding it and that that's just my personal opinion and then their t-sticks that they have their their double sticks you know with that are all water jetted out the standoffs are just bolts and um it seems like it's not going to be you know a lot of the things that they did with the xop you know uh, cody DeQuisto when he things that he wanted with the xop sticks is he wanted a longer standoff so there was more room for your boot. And that bolt seems to kind of go away from that thought process. And the, the sticks aren't angled up, and that was another one of the things. They wanted more angle. They wanted them a little bit um, further out. So um, I'd be curious to see how those work in practice. Um, that little stand, that Lone Wolf 2.0, I mean, if you're of the 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 group that wants to run a lock on limit that wants a wind walker um that stand is just like the other stand i mean it is badass and you know somewhere sub six pounds so it's incredible i mean not much there yeah i mean as far as like the footprint but like i said lock on limit wind walker you know, you want one of those to come back into production. You're you're paying two or three hundred dollars for a, a used one that's been refurbished or something like that. That that those stands are badass. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it, I mean, I looked at it. It's nice, and, but yeah. give me a predator saddle <laughs> yeah yeah but so a, a predator and a phantom right is what 
That's going to be 500 bucks. 420 bucks. So if that stands 500 bucks and the, and you're saying, well, I'm not going to be a saddle hunter. I mean, you're in the same boat. So at that point, money doesn't matter. Right. I mean, and, and to be honest with you, you know, the argument that I have and, and like what I was trying to talk to, to Ernie about is like, look, you know, the, the cost of this stuff is, is all relative, but it's not relative like to a fault. I would say that the fault is the, the bows every year. If you I mean amateurize it, right? You spend $1,500 on a, uh, RX one. And three years later, you spend $1,200 on a nation bow. You got 2,500 bucks wrapped up in bows where you're, you could do the same thing with either of the bows that you got hanging behind it or the one in the case over here, or, you know, it, it, it's, it's where do you choose to, to spend your money, you know? Right. And, and people like they bitch about this or that, you know, we spent, uh, you know, most of this podcast, you know, half hour, 45 minutes talking about the different bows and, and things like that. And the, the cheapest bow that we talked about was probably that VXR at a thousand bucks, you know, 1099. And, you know, people well, bitch about that. And it, I mean, you're not going to buy that, but you're not going to buy that. What I'm saying is you're not going to buy that phantom and that predator. You're not going to buy that, that tree stand. Again in three years. Right. I mean, you're you're just not going to do it. And I'm not I'm I'm not knocking anything about the bows, but I'm just saying like if you want to put things in perspective, like well, there's also the, I mean this I mean I shoot my bows all year long. Mm-hmm. I only use my saddle in that season. So I mean, they're fashionable. You could wear it all yeah, year. You could wear it. I mean, you could use it for going out <laughs> and trimming your trees in your yard. And, you know. <laughs> That kind of stuff, but but no, I mean, so it, yeah, bows are. I mean, the it's like your terminal tackle. <laughs> you know, I mean, basically, you you got your saddle, you got your tree stands. Those are things that you use in the season, maybe a little bit up to season, doing some scouting and stuff. But I'm going to shoot my bow all year long. You and I mean, you should anyway. I mean. I, you know, we're shooting right now. We're shooting indoor leagues and stuff. You're not wearing your saddle in the league, Good. but, but you're not, you're, you're absolutely right though. I'm not going to buy that again in three years. That's an investment. And if you look at it and spread it out, yeah, I got three bows that are it's five grand right there, just in bare bows. And, mm-hmm. but yeah, my I, problem is I can't get rid of my bows. I, you know, I'm like, well, if, if I keep this one, okay. So my double XL I can use as a finger bow with no sights, bear bow. You know, do the old Tim Wells. I got my target bow for shooting 3D, and then I got my hunting bow. And then I to, I just like shooting all my bows. I mean, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not knocking that, and I don't care. But I'm just saying, like the other thing too is they lose their value, and it's mm-hmm. like man. I, I just paid fifteen hundred bucks for this last year, and now it's worth what half of it. Yeah, and 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 all I'm saying that like that 
initial investment or whatever is like if you're serious about it if you're serious enough to spend seventeen hundred dollars on a bow and and then you're gonna hunt out of a forty dollar tree stand from menards you know there's a there's a middle ground so you've got so, you know, so you've got two thousand and forty dollars to spend. If right. you spent five hundred dollars on a tree stand that you're going to use forever, right. and you spent the other fifteen hundred and forty dollars, I guarantee you, you could get a respectable setup that you would enjoy shooting. Absolutely. And and, and so that that's just my point. But no, take but, a year off of buying a new bow and get get yourself a new saddle setup or a new tree stand setup. Yeah. If that's um, what your budget permits. So was there anything else? So let's let's go like off the wall, like not talked about, like not exciting things, just to wrap this up. What was the one thing that you saw there that we we maybe didn't talk about or or anything like that that I did see a cool little uh thing for carrying your bow in your pack. I think it was called the spider. Yeah, somebody actually listened to our Either the last podcast or the one before, and the, oh, it was uh, the one with the with the out on a limb, and they said you need to have these guys on your podcast, and they post a video of the bow spider, and I was like, we talked to them, yeah. you know, at ATA, so uh, go go through that, and so that's a cool little system. It's like a puck, and it's got a post that mounts onto the side of your bow under the riser, and and it's like gravity. You got to kind of like. As you pick your bow up, it picks it up as an angle at an angle, and then it can slide up. So you can either put it on your belt, or you can mount it on your pack. It comes with different strapping systems. It was a little pricey. I think it was like eighty nine bucks. Or I think the package was like eighty nine bucks, yeah. and you could buy extra extra pucks for like thirty bucks a piece. So, and you probably want two of them. I mean, one for on your your pack, and then they, you know they're showing you can mount them to your wall and stuff. But that'd be kind of expensive for in your garage or range i mean but and we we're trying to figure out a way because if you could yeah you could do it you could put it on a, a belt because they have like a it's got like belt loops and all sorts of other things that you could do it but for a tree saddle yeah you can mount it up on to like your upper loop but as long as you could mount it up yeah they had a thing that you could like like knock off of there or something and you well, what it was, was threaded or something. Right. The way it's set up now was it went on the back side of your uh stabilizer. Yep. Like it was basically a bracket, L bracket that went on behind your you know, went on first and you put your stabilizer on. If you didn't have a stable if you didn't shoot a front stabilizer, then it just came with a bolt to go into your stabilizer hole. So the bow hung upside down. But they did have something that went that could go perpendicular to your bow. And they said you had to like knock off the L bracket, yeah, and they, then you could there was like threaded into there or something, right? Because like on some of them you have, you know, like this mount here on your mm-hmm. most bows have that, you know, for the um, <coughs> for your rigid mount quiver. quiver. But most of those guys, a lot of guys that are hunting out west have the quiver already mounted on their boat, mm-hmm. but. It, but it, yeah, so it'd be like, but you wouldn't need that there. You could just mount it on the front if it was, yeah. if you were hunting out west. We wouldn't necessarily be hunting yeah. a saddle. Sure. Um, but yeah. Uh, 
So that was cool. I, I was, I mean, I talked to them for a little bit when we were at Tioga Rise. Well, thanks to those guys too. I mean, great coffee for the back country. We drank a few cups of that after our night out <laughs> on Thursday. Yeah. Brett is awesome. And, and, and Jimmy as well. And, um, I think what I'm going to do, I've been kicking this around. I haven't called it, but I, I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to order some of the coffee, like just to have a bunch of it on hand. And so when I send out the things to the new patrons and all of that, I'm just going to send them some samples. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it's one of those things like we try really hard not to hard sell anything, you know, and not be too sponsor driven. You know, it'd be nice if somebody just wanted to pay for the show and, you know, we got to, you know, John got to have all of these things. He got to have his $3,000 Sitka suit and all of the stuff. But, um, you know, like I say, I want to talk to whoever I want and I want to in, inspire people and, and whatever. And that's like a really cool, I mean, they said this coffee sucks. I'm going to make some, they created it and it's freaking good. And they have been along with us for the ride the whole time. And, you know, we just can't thank them enough. So, um, Brett, Tioga rise, you know, thank you and go buy some of their coffee. Or sign up for Patreon. I'll send you some. Hey, either way, it's a, <laughs> it's a win win. Um, for myself, as far as something that like maybe I wasn't expecting at the show, one of our listeners, and it's like it's like a back and forth stuff. So there's a lot of gimmicky stuff, and there's a lot of crazy stuff at the um, the the shows. And so I, one of our listeners said, hey, you need to talk to the these lick and stick guys. And apparently my brother is interested in those too. And it's it's like a, you know, put up your own like licking branch, licking tree. And they've got their proprietary stuff that goes on there. It's a hodag licking stick. And they actually um, have hunting property near where we have it in the UP. And so Jerry says, you need to talk to these guys or whatever. And the way that they use these sticks is a lot like Jeff Sturgis uses his hang vines. Um, more of like a an inventory and like a be able to watch deer. And so on public land, it probably doesn't work. But if you had a, I mean, it, it would work. But I mean, you'd just be setting up like a <laughs> come hunt here sign for, for everybody. Well, they did make a, they make a khaki colored one. So. Yeah. Well, you and what they do is they bury it in the ground. It's like a, it's like a spring on a metal plate that stakes into the ground, and then you screw in a branch or tree or whatever. Um, and it's not a hundred percent, and you know, there's lots of things that don't work on it. But in talking to them and watching on Onyx how they set up this thing, and they like narrowed their big piece of property down to like where this buck was bedded, and this kid, sixteen year old kid, killed it. Um, it's a lot the way that if you watch any of the whitetail habitat solutions stuff and, and Jeff Sturge uses the hanging vines, it's kind of like the same thing. It just creates like a community right. hub Side for, pose. for deer. Um, and now the one guy we were talking to, he did kill a buck on the thing, but it was just kind of by chance. Um, but they're, they're not using them as hunting places they're not saying well i'm just going to hunt this licking stick what they're doing is they're using it to narrow down a big piece of property 
and just kind of using it as a place to get inventory. Um, well, they're using get... it to break it down. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, now we're getting, we're seeing them this time. Consistently here. Yeah. So he has to be, you know, within an hour or whatever, he has to be in this range. And if you've got a big piece of property and set up a couple of them. Um, but I thought that that was really just like. It's uh, not a good information, but it really pertained to. Private, know, private land. land so. But it was, like I say, like, you know, one of our listeners or one of our patrons said, you need to go talk to this guy. I know him um, and whatever. And we sat there and, and I, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought it was like hokey, you know, uh, before I talked to him. And like, you're just putting up a tree in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> yeah. you know, like. We for, were kind of joking about it on the way over there, but. But, I mean, like. Like I, cause I, I was thinking that they're just going to put this up there. It's going to be, they're going to make a scrape and then they're just going to hunt over this fake tree. And that's not the case at all. They're just putting it up there, using it as a signpost. And then they're using their hunting ability to break it down to see where this deer is going to be. Um, and I thought that that was pretty cool. And that's somebody that I would have just walked right past or not even even talk to him. I'm really glad that I did. And then, um, one of the other things, if you want to talk about like different stuff and we didn't get to talk to him there and John wanted to talk to him and shoot the bows. Uh, he didn't get an opportunity to, um, I went to the show at the Delta Plex here in Muskegon or, uh, Grand Rapids and I shot the gearhead bows and John, he said like during the show, like I want to shoot those gearhead bows. And I just think that they're like the weirdest, most unorthodox, like absurd thing. And I walked past him at the Grand Rapids show and there wasn't really anything else. There wasn't a whole lot of stuff that I wanted to see. There's a lot of outfitters at that show and, and, and just, you know, things that I can see elsewhere that I have no interest in. And I was like, you know what? I've never shot one of these bows. And I sat there and talked to the guys there for a half hour. And, uh, I shot the bows. There was a little bit of vibration, but super smooth draw cycle, you know, pretty forgiving. They don't feel like they want to rip your arm off. I shot a bunch of them. Um, and, they make a long version. They make a 30 inch bow. And if you're going to shoot a 30 inch gear head, um, I would shoot a 32 inch anything else. Um, but if you wanted a short bow, I mean, if you were going to do, if you were going to do that, um, you know, that 24 inch bow is pretty <laughs> slick. John can't shoot. I don't think any of their bows, um, which I didn't realize that they're limited to their draw length because, the people get into the the cam track because of just the short axle to axle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, I mean, and talking to them, they have adjustable brace height because you can move the grip wherever you want to in there. They're ambidextrous. You can flip it over and, and do that. I mean, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I'm like intrigued enough where I would like to have one here just so that John could mess with it and it'd be like something for anybody to shoot, you know. <laughs> um, I don't know what what made you want to shoot them and 
Oh, I just because they're goofy looking and <laughs> just, just the, some of them look. They even have them that look like slingshots, don't they? They're, they're that, freaking. That is a slingshot. They, they a, ha, that one is like their small game deal. And uh, I was talking to one of the guys at the club, and he's like, "Did you shoot the slingshot?" And I was like, "No, I didn't." And he's like, "Oh yeah, man, that's so fun." <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, it's just you know they 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 remind me of like the erector set of growing up, like. These guys, you know, obviously they're engineers or gearheads. Oh, pretty neat. <laughs> and it's not not effective or not like a legitimate platform. You know, it's not even though well, they've got there's guys shooting them at, at the at the national level, pro level competitions, and you know, men's open or whatever. The uh, and and podium podiuming. I mean, they're. They're legitimately, they're a good shooting bow. From what I mean, I at least I haven't shot them, but most of them I can't shoot anyway. They do have a longer target version. Like I said, I I would I'd like to get one in here just for the fact of like I don't know. It's like I feel like everybody has that gun, you know. <laughs> that's like oh check this out. You got to shoot it. You know what I mean? Like well, you, you change the draw length by moving that. Well, you can change the, back and the forth. brace height, and then they have mod. They have so they have like um, two different cam systems. One of them is fixed draw length, and the other one has right. like fully adjustable, and you can adjust a lot of stuff. And there's 15 pounds of, of uh, draw weight adjustment in their in their bows. I, I was looking at one, like I said, like I, I I don't know. I'm I've got a spare bow that I'm thinking about selling. And like I'd I'd shoot one this year. I don't care. I mean, they're they're and they're relatively inexpensive. So I don't know that I'm going to go that way. But I don't know that I won't either. <laughs> I think you're going <laughs> just to, to be different. You just got your stick bow in the mail today, so yeah, I got a traditional bow. But I just want to shoot that. Just I, I so this is going to be a whole new rabbit hole series maybe a talking point on each of the next podcast but so i got a samic sage in the mail today i went to the traditional show in in kalamazoo which is like the biggest traditional show in the country i do believe um and i shot some traditional bows i went there simply because i don't know anything about them and i just like intrigued and i had this martin jaguar and uh i i traded walt from the chasing tales podcast a trail camera for the samic sage that he bought at walmart that somebody returned that most certainly wasn't bought at walmart but they returned it to walmart and he bought it for twenty dollars so twenty dollars twenty dollars so and he's he started shooting uh right-handed he's left-eye dominant and now he shoots left-handed it's a right-handed bow and it's just been sitting there and he's got another traditional bow so anyways i got that in the mail today so i brought this over this jaguar over it's sitting here on the press just because all the other bow hooks are taken up by bows in this space here and I brought it over here simply to level the playing field between John and I's shooting. And I feel like we're starting from square one <laughs> and it, now it will actually be fun. 
Now, whether, I mean, my goal before I die, a bucket list item would be to shoot a deer with a self bow from the ground, wearing only flannel and jeans or something, you know, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that, because I think that those guys, I mean, to me, that's just like the coolest thing. And it doesn't matter whether it's a big buck or a fawn, um, just to be able to to do that with you know something that you made um would be would be awesome but it's baby steps to to everything so right now it's shooting um water bottles at 15 steps and uh just hoping that they that they hit where they're going to um but yeah i mean that it isn't it isn't about the for me the bow it's like all the other stuff so, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's kind of like the takeaway from our trip to, to ATA and kind of hitting on the, on the big points. I mean, at this point, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, you know, meeting back up with our friends and, and, and networking and, and seeing kind of the, the things that, that we want to see, um, not so wide eyed, maybe to a fault that we're not that we're walking past some cool stuff that maybe we should be checking out, but uh, we're getting to be grumpy old men setting our ways. and All this stuff is newfangled gibberish. What do you say to that, John? So, I agree. <laughs> so yeah, that's all we got for today. Uh, thanks everybody for, for tuning in, but I think we're, we're all set. We're going to shoot some new curves.